0: Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network
1: and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today.
2: WGR Sports Radio 550. I'm to stand here and present some egghead scientific argument based on fact. I'm just a regular dude. I like to drink beer, you know? I love my family. Rock, flag, and eagle, right, Charlie? He's got a point. No, he doesn't. What? See, Charlie? These liberals are trying to assassinate my character. I can't change their mind. I won't change my
1: mind, because I don't have to, because I'm an American. I won't change my mind on anything,
2: regardless of the facts that are set out before me. I'm dug in, and I'll never change.
1: On WGR Sports Radio 550.
3: Little Mac and Dennis to start your Saturday morning. Welcome in, to Sports Talk Saturday. I'm your host, Nate Geary. On the board with me today, Derek Kramer. Welcome in, my good, good friend. Thank you for that uh, always sunny uh, open. Oh, That's great. It, you know,
4: it, it may not be sunny outside,
3: but it will be sunny in here as uh, it is now officially. Just under, just over 24 hours until kickoff, but under 24 hours until Bill's, uh, Bill's Ravens. Bill's Ravens, but uh, breakfast with the Bills fantasy style, which will uh, include myself and Derek tomorrow morning as we kick off uh, pregame festivity 7-8. to 8. Uh, We'll bring you the, uh, the latest in fantasy football talk and relates to uh, the Bills-Ravens matchup.
4: So should I address this elephant in the room now? I think we might as well do it right off the bat. We'll do it right off the bat. There's an article on WGR 550, the Stardom sit 'em. It's written by me, yours truly, Derek Kramer. And I have to say I'm sorry. (laughs) Because, wow, did that Thursday night go terribly wrong. I am... Oh, boy. But you know what?
3: It went terribly wrong, but really just in one aspect. Not in one aspect.
4: All right, two. There were two players there that were sits of the week based on the positions of running back and wide receiver. Ryan Gates and I on the nightcap just before that Thursday night game, we went into a little detail about it. And my sit of the week that is probably the most prominent, CJ Anderson. Yeah. That didn't go well. At all.
3: No. It And only because, Derek, if you remember our podcast, I don't know, it was probably a week, maybe two weeks before, I came out and I said, Derek, I think one of my sleepers. And you know know what it was? We were doing something where you said, Nate, would you rather take C.J. Anderson, and I I can't remember the other player. I want to say maybe it was Cheeseburger Lacey. I, I don't think it was Lacey, no. It was something along those lines, and... I basically said I'm taking C.J. Anderson. I think he has an opportunity to have a better season this year. He doesn't have um, Ronnie Hillman, you know, nipping at his heels. He gets cut, and and what I remember is Derek uh, talking about uh, Booker, the uh, the running back they drafted, I believe in the second or third round, um, as being a guy that's going to take carries away uh, from C.J. Anderson. And it turned out that C.J. Anderson was basically the feature back, but someone that Trevor Simeon used pretty significantly in the passing game as well. He ended up with 29 fantasy scoring points in PPR leagues. Yeah. And um, you know, on the standard scoring, I don't know exactly. I'm thinking probably something in the 20s, in the bottom 20s. Still because, a very good, still day. a good day. He had a receiving touchdown and a rushing touchdown. Just under, I think he had 20 carries, 92 yards, and th- a touchdown on the ground. I think the most fun one was uh,
4: at on the nightcap, Ryan Gates and I. We were talking, we were professing our fantasy love for Devonte Booker, long term, mm. and he fumbled on his first carry. Yeah. That one, like. When that happened, I texted Gates right away, and I was just like, wow, we really crushed it here today.
3: And you know what, too? The worst part is, like, when you when you fumble like that, you just have – you're not going to get very many other opportunities in that game. I
4: like, though, that they went next drive. They gave the ball back to Booker. Yeah. So it showed them that, you know what, we're not scared. The kid's good. It's just, hey, um, nice job there. You guys uh, – Derek, good work. <laughs>
3: Well, anyways, let's uh, let's shift our attention to the real important game, which starts in uh, on the Bills' website. It says one day, one hour, and 52 minutes, and a uh, scrolling 55 seconds as we move forward. Uh, it is technically almost Bill season. The regular season kicked off Thursday night, as we just talked about. Uh, some interesting storylines from that game I'm sure we'll get into at some point in this three-hour uh, sports talk Saturday. But what I want to talk about today to at least start... Um, who's the most important player for the Bills this season? And I, and I'll extend the question to who's the most important player for the Bills to make the playoffs this season? Um, and, and I think there's a lot of probably easy answers to this. I think a lot of easy, uh, one easy answer is Tyrod Taylor. Yes. Uh, the most important position on the field. In a quarterback league. It's In a quarterback league, exactly. Quarterback. But I think there are some guys on this team that we'll, we'll talk about this morning, Derek, that I think potentially are more important. Um, to the success of this team and whether or not they're going to make the playoffs. Uh, so so we're, I want to get your opinions on it. 803-0550, 888-552-550 are the numbers to call. You can hit me up on Twitter at MakeEarieWGR or on the uh, WGR Twitter as well at WGR550. I want to hear from you guys. I want to know your opinions. Who is the most important player for the Bills this season and their potential playoff uh, aspirations? In hour two, we're going to get into uh picking the schedule. Derek and I will go game by game, give you uh our thoughts on uh what the ultimate schedule is. So we'll take your calls on that as well. In the second hour, get your opinions on uh maybe some games the Bills will win or lose. Uh and then third hour, uh we will get into the rest of the league and uh and picking this week's games. Um we're me and Derek will uh we'll Kind of keep our picks for we'll we'll keep track of our our, our record this year, uh, moving into the season and uh, and our picks from around the league. So we'll we'll do that hour three. I've got a uh, an A plus list of guests lined up for you today. Eleven thirty, uh, Sal will join us. I believe he is headed out to Baltimore shortly. Uh, I believe he's still uh, hanging around in Buffalo, though, you know, tying up some loose ends before he heads out to Baltimore. And then at the twelve o'clock hour, at twelve thirty, we'll have Tyler Dunn. Uh, more recently of the Buffalo News but now is over at Bleacher Report doing some things for the NFL which uh which I'm excited to uh, to check out and uh Sean Stepner uh formerly of uh, of Buffalo uh, is now uh, taking his talents to Baltimore. So he's uh, reporting, and he's the sports director over at ABC Baltimore over there. So we'll have him on at one thirty to, uh, to give us a little bit of update on what he's seen in his short time in Baltimore and what the Bills can expect um, heading up to Baltimore this week. As I mentioned, 888, uh, 803-0550, 550 We are talking Bills and who the most important player for the Bills this season. And I'm going to go ahead and just give you a... Uh, Give you my answer on who I think the most important player is, Derek. And uh, I want to go ahead and say that Jerry Hughes is the most important player for the Bills this season and whether or not they make the playoffs. What are your thoughts on that, Derek? Hughes is a good one. I I think it's the fact that
4: on the defense, he might be one of the top three players on the defensive unit as a whole. Hughes is a very important player. He is adjusting to Rex Ryan's defense. After that same defense in Indianapolis was why he started struggling. He is thriving now in this defense of Rex Ryan's, whereas we saw last year Mario Williams was mailing it in, Jerry Hughes was doing a decent job playing in the system. Another year and another, uh, another season here for Hughes as he's just getting better and better.
3: I think Jerry Hughes gets kind of unfairly labeled as a pass rush specialist. Um, I think what you saw in the preseason was a little bit of a glimpse into what he can be as a run stopper, an all-around defender on the edge. And the thing that I I think excited me the most was his ability to consistently beat Marshall Newhouse, who isn't by any means a top tackle in the league, but he's a starting caliber, good, middle-of-the-road right tackle in this league. And for him to be able to consistently beat Newhouse on almost every play um, beating him off the ball, and, and something that I think uh, is underrated when you watched that Thursday night matchup. Guys like Shane Ray, who don't get a lot of credit because you don't see him on the field as much because you've got Von Miller and Demarcus Ware, but yeah. Ware isn't getting the type of snap counts um, that I think you saw him in previously. The guy's 34 years old they 're going to try to reel back him a little bit this year and give him an opportunity to to play the whole season they 're not going he 's going to be mostly a third down specialist pass rusher and let me tell you it was impressive um to watch what Ware was able to do against michael orr last uh, on, on thursday night uh, and i mean I, I see a lot of of ware 's game and i see a lot of von miller 's game in Jerry Hughes and his ability to pass to, to rush the passer and you know, what I'm worried about most is, too, for Jerry Hughes this year, is the inconsistencies that the referees seem to be calling roughing the pass or penalties. Uh, I mean, we saw on multiple occasions, yes, on Thursday night, you know, players launching themselves at Cam Newton's head with no penalties called yet. We saw in that preseason game against the Washington Redskins. Two penalties. two just very poor called, very just very poor penalties. And, and I'm not going to blame either of them on Bills players, Lorenzo Alexander or, or former Bills player, Croy Bierman. But, you know, I think the league has to figure out how they're going to call this. I understand they want to protect the players. They want to protect the quarterbacks of the most important positions on the field. But when you look, they called a lot of penalties on those low blows. and And, and I think... Where the league wants to go is they want to protect these quarterbacks and their concussions, and and there's just, to me, there's not a lot, there's not a big big enough sample size of injuries that I think this league has to really kind of scale back these low blow hits because these players don't want to go high on quarterbacks, so, but now they can't go low, and I think you see now the, rep, the repercussions of players being scared to go low, and they would rather just go high on a quarterback, and now that those penalties aren't being called on those high hits... There's more incentive to say, you know what, I'm not going to go low on these quarterbacks because I'm going to get called. If I go high, I'm not. We've seen one game of
4: NFL action in the regular season. And you better bet, based on the reaction from fans, that the refs are going to be throwing flags if you hit a quarterback high. And they might do it on even questionable hits now because of the fact that there's been a precedent set and a reaction to it. That is why now you're going to see a lot of a flag's thrown even if you touch a quarterback again. We're, we're back to those days,
3: it which is, un- is going to be
4: a huge problem. It is but, unfortunate. But it- going back to Hughes, because this is where we were on this before we went off the rails a bit. Going back to Hughes, the people that say that he's a pass rush specialist, pass rush specialists, they get taken off the field. Hughes is every down. Every down, every play, creating some sort of a nuance Sometimes he was too good last year, and next thing you know, there's a running space. He was
3: creating running space on accident. And what I think, too, last year is they really focused him on one side of the ball, where I think this year, what they wanted to do in that defense was really kind of... I guess feature Mario Williams, and he just had no interest in doing it. And that, that to me was the most confusing part about, um, you know, why Mario Williams decided to pack it in so early and just decide I'm not going to play for this team because they're not doing what I want, and I just want to put my hand on the ground and pass and and rush the passer. When basically they wanted to come out and, and feature Mario Williams as the all around guy that could move from each side of the line, drop back uh sometimes. Uh and, and I think in that first game he dropped back once or twice in those first two weeks and he just said, you know, this isn't what I want to do. I'm I'm closing it up. I don't wanna I don't wanna play in this defense. And and I think it was unfortunate and I think it hurt the rest of the defense because your best player and the guy that you're featuring decides he doesn't want to be a part of the game plan. And now this year, um, I, I'm excited because you have a guy like Jerry Hughes who is so dynamic, I think, and, and the ability to get off the ball so quickly. And that's what really he's been able to do in his first two years here in Buffalo, I think really well, is get off the ball that quick and, and be able to to really set the edge quicker that I think a lot of players, and what I'm excited about too is now on the opposite side to start the season, Lorenzo Alexander, a guy that I think came in and, and it's something to prove a chip on his shoulder, another guy that's very quick off the line of scrimmage, and, and I was excited to see, I thought he had a very good preseason, Lorenzo Alexander, someone that I think is going to compliment Jerry Hughes on the other side very well. I'm not going to go that far with Alexander,
4: but Rex Ryan's smart. He's going to go ahead and say, guess what, Lorenzo Alexander? you're going to be facing the left tackle. Why? Because, sorry, that's just how it's going to go. You're going to face the left tackle and try to rush on the blind side while we have Jerry Hughes on the other side. Because guess what? It doesn't matter if the quarterback's going to see him coming or not. The goal is pressure, not necessarily sacks. If Hughes can cause pressure, doesn't matter what side. Why not exploit the lesser ability of a right tackle, put Hughes over there, and use your players capably and confidently because again Lorenzo Alexander is not a game changer he's not going to know but Jerry Hughes is why not use the best of the ability that you can to exploit the matchup that's what happened last year they had Williams they had Mario Williams on the other side facing the right tackle and Jerry Hughes was facing the better pass protector of the left tackle and now Rex doesn't care what side they're on he wants to exploit the best matchup possible. And Jerry Hughes yeah. against the right, against tackle right tackles in this league is, is, a is nightmare.
3: Is is the matchup that I think that they're going to seek all season long. 803-0550, 888-552-550 are the numbers to call. We're talking most important player for the Bills season this year. I brought up Jerry Hughes. I want to hear from you guys. So let's head out to the phones. Ray and Clarence, you're on WGR.
0: Hey, guys. You know, my first instinct, probably like most people, is Tyrod Taylor. Yep. But I, I don't agree because he. He did what he could last year as an eight and six starter. You know, even if he would have won the last, you know, the two games he was out at ten and six, I don't even know if that would have gotten him in with tiebreakers. I don't remember, but you know, the word that comes to my mind if you want a player is defense. They're the ones that let us down last year. And if I had to get in particular, I'm going to say the linebackers. There's no in part, there's no name in particular, but the unit needs to play well. I mean, number one rushing offense. We had a quarterback that didn't turn the ball over. I'm not saying he's MVP material, but, you know, they, they did their part. You know, I, I guess maybe, um, not most important, but if Carpenter can step up his game, I mean, that'd be some nice bonus points <laughs> going back to where, the way he was two years ago. But I really think the defense, you know, I'm breaking it down to the linebacker, but Tyrod did, did what he had to last year. Um, if he does better, that may not even be enough if the defense doesn't live up to what they're
1: supposed to do.
3: So thanks. Yep. Thanks, Ray. I appreciate the call. And I, uh, I agree with you. And, and I think what we're, what you really meant to and what you're talking about is last year, I think if we could have predicted Tyrod Taylor was going to be as successful as he was last year and the offense would have the number one rushing attack, I think if you told us that in the beginning of the season, we all probably say that's a playoff football team because we've got a great defense. We've got this defense that at this point, um, is, Say what you will about the defense last year; they weren't bad. They just weren't good. They they weren't. They took a significant step back, and I think in a in a league in a year, I think we were really expecting them to to step up and be that be that defensive unit that I think we saw them being under Jim Schwartz. And then you thinking, well, now we bring in a Rex Ryan defense, and we're, we're thinking, wow, this could be the number one unit in the league. We've got Mario Williams, and and then things didn't happen the way that. I think we all expected them to happen and then some injuries happen, you lose Kyle Williams pretty early in the season and to me that's another guy that we need to talk about is being a very important player to this defense is Kyle Williams but Ray I think I agree with you a lot because if this defense can just be slightly better, if they can be uh the 11th, the the 10th, 11th best unit in the league and just have this offense be the same as they were last year, and they don't get any better. I think that this team has the ability to be a playoff team when all their units are are kind of firing on all cylinders. And another unit you have to talk about that I think is important, and you mentioned a little bit with Dan Carpenter, is the special teams needs to be better. Last year, they were one of the worst special teams units in the league, Um I don't know the numbers offhand, but a team that struggled as much as they did in the penalties area last year, um, a lot of personal foul penalties. But where I saw a good majority of penalties last year on special teams, whether it's block in the back or you end up starting from you know a nice return, a nice punt return of 5, 10, 15 yards, and you're up to the opponent's 50 or you're up to the opponent's 45 or your own 45 or 40, and then you get a 15-yard penalty and all of a sudden you're starting in, in, in minus territory. You know, that's a difficult thing for, for teams to overcome, especially when you start that drive in, in plus territory, and then all of a sudden you're, you know, and and especially for a first-year starter in Tyrod Taylor, I thought that they didn't do him any favors on special teams getting him the opportunity with a short field. And I think if, the, if that unit can figure it out this year and get better and, and, not, and kind of just reduce a lot of the mistakes that they made last year, I think that's another strategy to this team that can make them better.
4: Yeah, it's another thing where... I think more or less that you've got to learn how to flip the field a little better than yeah. you did last year. Rex Ryan defenses tend to do, I would say, average when it comes to acquiring turnovers and everything like that. Last year they were a little below that. And I see a bit of a turnaround in that regard. I think they can really try to help flip the field for the Bills offense. And like you said, special teams is going to be a big thing here. Signing Brandon Tate might be probably one of the bigger, low-key signings that they've had in the offseason.
3: I agree, and it came late, so it's something else that you really didn't hear about, but what I'm looking up right now, and and this is something I've I've referenced in the past, um, is their average starting field position last year, and they were one of the lower teams in the league in average starting field position, and ultimately, I think that hurt them a lot. Last year, their their average starting field position was the 26.7-yard line, so about the... About the 27-yard line last year. When you think about it, if you're, ne- if you're basically starting each drive from the 26, they didn't return very many kicks last year. Uh, the league has kind of moved away from having the return game be any aspect, be, be, have any role in the game. So if you think about it like this, if they started at the 20 a whole bunch last year, they didn't have very many drives starting in plus territory. Their opponents' average starting field position last year was the 28, so almost a full yard ahead of them. Now I don't see that really being the, the issue that they had last year, but there's no doubt that starting at your own twenty six yard line isn't isn't I, going to make anything easier for an offense not, with his first year starting quarterback. It's
4: not ideal. No. It can it be done? Absolutely, right. but it's just not ideal you want to have more drives that start in better territory because now the 26 yard line is just one back from a touchback every drive
3: this season. What I'm going to look at right now is the Super Bowl winning champion Denver Broncos and see where their average starting field position was last year. I'd mm-hmm. be interested I'm going to be interested to see where they were. Well, while you, while you do that, I will announce my player that
4: I feel is oh, yes. the most important to this season and I think that's Aaron Williams and the health mm. of Aaron Williams. That's a while Ed Reed Helps with all the communication. You saw how quickly that defense went downhill in terms of communication, and getting the message across to <laughs> the entire defense after he was injured in week four against New England. I mean, not even close. Excuse me, not week four. He get he he was out after. Derek, this is going to surprise
3: week. you. It surprised me when I looked at it. Mm-hmm. The Denver Broncos' average starting field position was actually their own twenty-five, less than the Bills. The
4: defense, though, was. On another think level. Think about this
3: though: the opponent's average starting field position, the thirty.
4: Their defense was that.
3: That that to me, their defense I think was otherworldly. That's a ringing year. endorsement of their defense. The fact that they had one of the worst starting field positions for their opponents in the league, yet they're maybe considered. And I think you have to consider the Denver Broncos' defense as one of the best of all time. You got to remember, Peyton Manning, up until week 17,
4: led the league in interceptions yes. despite not playing a full season. Mm-hmm. So, of course, you're going to have a bunch of short fields in that case.
3: That's true. I the didn't defense, think about that.
4: Yeah. The defense did very well there in Denver. It, are we asking for Buffalo to beat Denver? Absolutely not. We know we have an offense that's much more capable.
3: However, a nice little shot in the arm would be nice. It would be. And it, I, what it is, is it's just it's an added benefit of having when you have a great running game, if you can start in plus territory on more drives than not, you're going to be successful, and especially when you have a kicker like Dan Carpenter. I mean, say what you will in his inconsistencies in his PAT game last year. Let's let's point out that I will Dan, say this. Dan Carpenter didn't struggle in field goals. No. He struggled in the PAT aspect of the game. And I'm going
4: to say this to every caller, because I, I screen calls, and I'm going to say this for my sake, for Brayton's sake, for Ryan's sake. I'd rather take the threes... And keep missing the ones. I then know. To flip it vice versa. But I'll I'm tell Sorry, you, I'm
3: going to tell you this though, from a person who I, uh, you know, having played the game and watched, you know, I've we've lost. I teams of mine have lost games by two points to state championship teams because of missed extra points. That's... By and and that and extra points when they come down to it, and and this is a league now that I think more of the risque coaches are starting to turn to that two point conversion more, but. At the end of the day, you've got to hit those extra points. You need, you need to hit 95% of your extra points every year. And Dan Carpenter struggled in that aspect. But where Dan Carpenter is great is that 50-plus, that 50-to-55 50 area. That's going to be something I think is important going into the season. Is he, Can he continue the success he's shown in the offseason? All right, 803 0550, 888 552 550. The numbers to call. Sal Capaccio joins me next. Uh, we'll get his opinion on who he thinks the most important player for the Bills this season. We'll also get his uh, his thoughts on some of the roles that uh, key players like Greg Salas and uh, and Reggie Bush will be playing this year. So Sal Capaccio joins me next on Sports Talk Saturday. I'm Nate Geary. This is WGR. When it's party, we will party hard.
0: He's very consistent. You now he's very professional, very consistent. I can't really think of a time where you know he really got unglued. I think he's just himself, and that's how he is naturally.
3: All right, welcome back into Sports Talk Saturday. I'm your host Nate Geary on the board, as I mentioned before, Derek Kramer. Now we are going to head out to the AT and T Hotline, where we have got our Bills beat reporter Sale Capaccio standing by. Sale, how you doing today?
2: Good, good. Ready to uh, hit the road to Baltimore. So. Yeah,
3: ready to get this stuff going. I'm with you, Sale. Uh, Sale. This morning we started off by talking about who the Bills most, like who the potential most important player is for this season, um, and and ultimately who's going to be the most important for their success and potentially making the playoffs. So I wanted to ask you who you, who we thought. I said uh, I said Jerry Hughes and Derek said Aaron Williams as two important players, but I wanted to get your opinion. Who do you think is the most important player for the season?
2: Well, Nate, if you read and promoted my Bill's superlatives at wgr550.com that I pro- posted yesterday, I had the most important player listed at the top of the list. So Boom. that player is uh, Tyrod Taylor for me. But I get, you know, I know what you're—you're kind of going away from Tyrod. You said a lot of people will say that, so right. I'll give you another one. But I do think that he is the most important because we saw what happens if he's not available, and I know that. What happened with EJ is fresh in everybody's mind last year in London, but I do believe that you know EJ's capable of winning games, but if he had to play long stretch, obviously that would be um, really tough for the Bills to deal with, and I don't see them having any chance at all to make the playoffs. I think Tyrod Taylor has to stay healthy for at least 14 or 15 games and possibly 16. I think he's the more, most important player on this team. But, if I mean, we always say the quarterback, so I'll go to another one. Here's the thing. I'm not going to give a defensive player at all. I don't think there's any one individual on defense that's, quote-unquote, the most important. Because I do believe it's a system that Rex Ryan is employing. And every player, as much as Jerry Hughes is really good and important, as much as Aaron Williams is good and important... I really think that because if they do buy into the system, Rex's defense have really always been about systems. You look back, yeah, he's had great players like Ed Reed and like Ray Lewis. Of course he has. But really the hallmark of his defenses through the years have been the system. It's not been the individual players. So I'm going to go to the other side of the ball. I think the most important player is Sammy Watkins. Without Sammy Watkins, they really lose so much in their passing game that they can do uh, he's got to stay healthy obviously but he's so dynamic and we saw what he could do at the end of last season the last nine games 900 yards if Sammy Watkins is not on the field suddenly think about what your depth chart is your number one is Robert Woods your number two is Marquise Goodwin and your number three is Craig Salas that does not scare any defensive coordinator those are nice players to have on your team but Sammy Watkins scares defensive coordinators, and you have to devote maybe double coverage to him, which opens up a lot more on the on the defensive side for you when you're going against the defense.
3: Sal, uh, moving on, let's stay on the offensive side of the ball. There's a couple of guys I wanted to ask you about and where you kind of figure they uh, figure in for this Bills offense this year. The first guy that I think really nobody knows about and what his role will be is Reggie Bush. Reggie um, Bush. From what you've seen at practice in in training camp and, and and things like that, what do you see Reggie Bush's role being on this offense, and especially in the Greg Roman offense?
2: It's a good question, and it's going to be one that uh, is going to be interesting to find out. Now, throughout training camp since he got here, and then throughout the preseason, uh, I think you know what I've said is pretty much what I think their plan was, which is he's not the number two back; he is the number one punt and kick returner, though, and he's going to be that main guy. But as far as the offense is concerned, he's not the number one, number two back because Mike Gillisley is. However, that doesn't mean he doesn't go in for LaShawn if LaShawn comes out. I think it will be game plan specific. It will be against certain personnel, it will be against certain opponents. It, you know They're going to use Reggie as the number two sometimes, but. If LaShawn McCoy happens to go out for a game, pretty much Mike Gillisley is the number two back, and Reggie Bush will be the complement to be on the field. They're going to use him on offense. I think they will use him probably three or four times a game with LaShawn on the field, probably a third down type of play where a linebacker has to decide, and they have to decide as a defense which linebacker is taking which guy, and that's going to be a nightmare for you know a defense the Bills are hoping for them to figure out, and the Bills will just choose you know which guy to have to match up with and throw to. But now that they've signed Brandon Tate, I do question if he is the main guy. Now, maybe he will, will be again this week, but then going forward, they um, have Brandon Tate more involved. Maybe he's not active this week. I don't know. But that is a good question because Brandon Tate does throw a little wrinkle in this as to what Bush's role will be on the return side, which could impact what his role is on the offensive side.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, guy, Another uh, another guy you mentioned, Sale is Greg Salas. Um, obviously, I think we're all in agreement. It's probably Marquise Goodwin as your number three receiver, um, you know, barring any injury problems he has during the season. But I feel as though Salas is going to be one of those guys that's a package player and someone that's going to be highlighted to me on third down as a guy that that left this team last year in a similar role in Chris Hogan so is that is that the kind of role you're seeing Salas that he's going to be playing this year maybe a third down specialist or someone that's going to be uh, maybe going out there against more zone defenses because he just seems to find those areas those gaps those windows in the zone defense that I think maybe uh, Goodwin's more of your deep threat your outside guy but I think Salas is really probably the ideal inside guy am I right
2: yeah, I think you've described it right. Um, I would add he's going to be a two-minute specialist as well. Uh, so I think that you know, anytime you're in a third-down situation where you need to put more receivers on the field, you know, a third and mid-range, third and long, I think Greg Salas is on the field. Anytime you're in a two-minute situation, you need to get down the field quickly. I think uh, you'll see more zone in those types of situations. I think Greg Salas is going to be on the field. He's not. He's not. He shouldn't be labeled a number three receiver or number four. Now he might be that guy. He might be a number four behind. Watkins Woods and Goodwin but he shouldn't be labeled that he should be labeled what you said I think a, a package guy he's kind of like a, a sub package guy in defense but on the offensive side it's interesting you know the the Bills have made a conscious effort to work the middle of the field more because they have to after last year they didn't do it as well as they'd like to and part of that is Charles Clay but part of that is Greg Salas and I think Greg Salas is you know going to see his share of targets in the middle of the field I, I do want to caution Bills fans though that it's going to be you know you know what's going to happen Nate you know this as well as I do Chris Hogan is going to have a gabillion yeah. catches or something, yeah. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And he's not. I mean, look he he's not he's not the number one option in that offense. Maybe without Rob Gronkowski, he is. But he's going to catch a lot of passes. He's going to have good stats. And Bills fans will scream, "Why did we lose Chris Hogan?" And you know, let him go to the Patriots. He would never be that guy here. That's the thing you have to understand. He just would not be that guy. Now you could argue he could fight for Robert with Robert Woods for the number two position. But look, the Patriots are going to throw the ball a lot more than the Bills are, and he is a much easier uh, on the depth chart, I should say, quicker option on the depth chart than he would be here. So I just think that I want to caution Bills fans before we get into the season that they should not compare what Chris Hogan does in New England and think that has any resemblance at all in comparison to what they lost out in in Buffalo. We know what he was in Buffalo, and I think what you said, the Greg Salas type role, that's what he would have been here anyway if he had returned.
3: Yeah, that's a good disclaimer because I think that's going to be uh, a topic of discussion moving forward this season. And it's something that we're definitely going to have to address. But I'm I'm glad you said it now, too, because moving into the season, I mean, you could just see it in the preseason. Um, He's a guy that has always been good over the middle, that third down guy. But now you're going to an offense where... They don't have a big outside receiver, someone that's going to stretch the field vertically. I mean, that's probably Julian Edelman, and he's not exactly the biggest guy in the world. They've got a lot of small possession route running receivers that run precise routes. And, and that's just what he was here. I, I mean, And you're right, we don't have Tom Brady. We don't have that offense, that Josh McDaniel's quick West Coast-style offense. It's just not what we have going on here. So I think you're right. I think to compare it would be kind of unfair to Chris Hogan and really unfair to the Bills' offense in a whole. But another guy sale that I want to talk to you about is Shady McCoy. And and Greg Roman talked about it a little bit this week about their use and their use of Shady McCoy and how much they plan on using him. Now last year obviously we know he came into the season with that injury issue that he that he sustained in the in the scrimmage against the Browns. This is a different Shady McCoy this year, I think really from the start of the the preseason here and the start of training camp, his Really, narrative has been I came in, I came here to work this year. Uh, a little bit different, I think, of a mindset than year one for Shady McCoy. What do you expect? How much do you expect the Bills to use Shady McCoy? Um, you know, maybe more than last year.
2: I don't know if any more than last year. I think maybe a tick more because what you said. You know, he was dealing with injuries, and it made it a little bit tougher to give him. Uh, that workload, especially early on in the season, you really saw his numbers pop out. I think after uh, once it was week six or so, I got to look at the numbers. I'm actually going to pull them up right here. He average he had over 100 yards, 100 yards or more from scrimmage, uh, rushing plus receiving every single game uh, for basically the at the end of the season, starting with I think it was the Miami game in week six that he played it. And, you know, because he finally got healthy and he finally was able to start getting the ball not only in the run game, but in the pass game. To start the season, I'm looking at his touches. Uh, If you add up rushing and receiving last year, these are the first several games. 20, 18, 12, 19, 20. So he never really went over 20 until late in the season. Then he started getting 23, 25, 26. That's probably where we'll land to start this year, I think. Don't expect him to get 25 carries, but I do expect him to get close to 25 touches. You know, that's an important distinction. So, you know, he'll probably carry the ball between 19 to 21 or 22 times and he'll probably see about three or four targets in the passing game. But I think that's about what they gave him when he was healthy towards the end of the year and he was getting and gaining 100 yards from scrimmage uh rushing plus receiving.
3: So let's move to the other side of the ball, the linebacker rotation. Uh, I think it's safe to say Brandon Spikes has, ki- has finally kind of got his feet under him in this defense um, and what he'll be able to do and his ability to sort of be the quarterback of that defense. I think we know that Preston Brown's ultimately that guy, but you know, Spikes said it himself, he needed to kind of get back in football shape, game day shape, you know, do we feel that he's there, and is he going to be a pretty key contributor on rundowns, or is this really Zach Brown's, you know, he's a three-down linebacker now, and, and Spikes is basically going to come in and, and give him a blow maybe during first or second down, or is this going to be kind of a a middle linebacker by committee, as I mentioned, having Spikes there on first and second and obvious rundowns?
2: No, it'll it'll be Zach Brown's job for three downs mostly. Um, I think once you're looking at more run situations, you know, tendencies, and it doesn't have to be on a second and two. It doesn't have to be on a third and one. But I think, you know, what coaches determine, hey, this is what the Ravens like to do on this play. This is how they, when they use uh, extra blocking. This is when they go short yardage type stuff. I think that's when you're going to see Brandon Spikes a little more. But, you know, he'll be on the field sometimes in passing downs, and that shouldn't scare Bill's fans necessarily. He was two years ago when he was here. doesn't mean that he's covering – backs out of the backfield down the field. You can drop him in zones and things like that. Um, he was on the field in some pass plays during the preseason. He he looked okay. He's not a guy that's going to necessarily kill you unless, again, he gets matched up in an area in a spot where, you know, it really looks like a team could take advantage of him. But I, I think you're going to see Zach Brown mostly. He'll, he'll eat up most of those snaps. The thing about Brandon Spikes you have to remember is, though, you know, with the way this is now, he could actually – he could fill in for Preston Brown and be a true Mike linebacker, or he could fill in for – Zach Brown, and still be the Mike, and then you just make Preston the will. Now, that's not ideal necessarily, but that's pretty much what you could do. So he is a Mike. He's not a will, but Preston Brown could kind of play both sides. He has done that in his career, whereas, you know, you don't really want Zach Brown playing he's only one guy he's a will so I think at least it gives you some flexibility to have those three guys and of course the loss of Reggie Ragland really hurts you you didn't have to go out and get Brandon Spikes necessarily you had Zach Brown in there as that guy and I think that's a better situation to have a guy coming off the bench who could be your third down linebacker to cover and things like that but I don't think it's anything that we're going to look back on at, at the end of the year and say oh my god because they lost Reggie Ragland they lost three extra games or something like that.
3: All right, Sal, I've got two non-Bills topics to to cover with you here. Now, yesterday, I, as as you know, I'm a Notre Dame fan, but I also have some ties to the Cuse. Like, I'm a Cuse football fan, and I watched a video that you posted on Twitter yesterday with, uh, with Bills linebacker Preston Brown, who is a Louisville alum, and uh, he was definitely talking some smack. I think he may have predicted the score. For Louisville no. or somewhere close. close, I think he was See, he close. Said Fifty-six to ten. Okay, 50, was pretty close though. It right? was decently close.
2: Sale. <laughs> so, uh, Preston's just mad that we got him in the dome when he was up right, there with Teddy Bridgewater. Right. He's still, he's really still mad about he that. Was I don't let him that. forget it. I don't let him forget it. By the way. So. That's- uh, are By you the way, now- you notice I did that with Preston and not Eric Wood, who might have actually punched me in the nose <laughs> if I said something. No, that's all right. They're both really good sports about it. I I have a good time with those guys in the locker room with the, the college thing. And look at I know I know where my bread's buttered. I know Syracuse football is not that good. So it's actually kind of easier for me to, to talk smack a little bit when your team's not good and you right. don't actually have a lot at stake because I actually know we're going to get rolled in situations. But it was fun. Go ahead, though. I'm sorry.
3: No, no. The, I, I was just going to say, the Syrac- even though the score indicates maybe Syracuse isn't really that good of a team I thought now I I think it's more of an indicator of how good that Louisville team could be oh. I mean they looked
2: that quarterback I, is amazing they
3: had 21 points with 10 minutes in the first quarter remaining and I'm thinking holy cow they might put up 70 and I look on the other side of the ball Syracuse never really it they didn't like seem scared the moment didn't seem too big for them a young quarterback but what do you think this Syracuse team is going to look like for the rest of the season? I, I think this is a team that can win some ball games in the ACC. Well,
2: they're going to be fun to watch. I think that's the coolest part. Are they, because it's been a long time since it's been actually fun to watch games in the carrier dome. Now, they might get up. They might give up 40 or 50 points a game or 62 like last night. But they're going to score a lot of points on offense. They're going to be up tempo. They have talent. And they have a really good coach who I like in Dino Babers who came from Bowling Green. And in case people don't know, He's off the Art Bryles-Baylor tree as far as offense is concerned, and that's why he is doing the things that he does. It's very tough to defend. When I was going to school there, Nate, in the in the early 90s, Syracuse really took advantage with Coach Pasqualone. He recruited a lot of speed out of Florida. We had a lot of Florida kids in the roster. They had some kids from Georgia, those states that play football year-round You get a lot of speed from. He recruited a lot of those kids, and that's what you need in that dome. Well, Dino Babers needs it too, and he just doesn't have it right now. So I think he has to get more speed, and he's really going to put that speed on defense. But until that happens, yeah, we're looking at a lot of overs. Hey, if you're a betting person, oh, yeah. take a look at the over every week in the Syracuse game. That's all I got to say, man, because they're going to score points and they're going to give up a lot of points.
3: All right, last few weeks of the major league baseball season, are the Yankees going to slip into one of these wild card spots?
2: I don't want to say that they are because I just can't believe that they're where they I, are right I am now, and I don't want to with you. I, I I mean, I, it's crazy. What a run! They were they were 500 at the All Star break. Are they 10 games over now? I yeah. Have to look at the actual. Record. I think the they fans. are. I think they're 10 games over right now and one game out of a wild card spot. Yep. Um, let me look right here. 75 and 65. Yep. One game out. Chasing Detroit. Baltimore. I mean, they're tied right there for that that second spot. Only what? They're two losses behind Toronto in the loss column.
3: Yeah, that's Man, what I'm I, saying. They they have an opportunity to take the East, which is just to me. I don't le- think they'll take the East. Either do I. I think too it's huff. too difficult, right?
2: Still, still too tough. Um, what are they back from? Yeah, they're still four back from Boston. It's not
3: unheard of teams. though. It's it, it. I've you've seen bigger gaps get reduced in in less amount of time. But those and, teams are too good, I think right? No, I agree. I agree.
2: A, a three week period. I think that's the that's the problem they're facing. But the teams above them in the wild card, they can. They, hey, look. It's it's when it's one game, it's kind of even to me anyway. I mean, yeah. it really, it's. It's a it's a day. It's it's one day today. They could be wake up, you know, two games out or even or passing them within a day or two. So I don't know. I'm not going to predict they're going to make it. But Nate, it is fun to watch it. And I know I'm a spoiled Yankees fan because I've had you yeah, know so many you are. so much success. But hey, can I have a little bit of success in my life? Come on now, you know. He covered that's Bills true. Here, 16 years, no playoffs. The Sabers have been, haven't been in the playoffs in a long time. Syracuse football, at least, maybe looks a little better. You know, so give me a little leeway here. Okay? Well, we'll, give yeah. we'll give you the benefit of We my baby
3: We'll give you the benefit of the doubt for this one, Sale. All right, buddy. Thanks so much for coming on with me this morning. Uh, we will talk at halftime tomorrow, and it's finally Bill season. So, uh, so gear up, and uh, we'll talk tomorrow. All
2: right, man. Have a great rest of the show. All
3: right, Sal Capaccio there on the AT and T hotline. If you're on the phone, Matt, uh, thanks for holding for so long uh, through Sale's interview. There, we'll get you on the uh, on the way back here. We got to take a break uh, on Sports Talk Saturday. You're listening to Nate Erie, Derek Kramer, Sports Talk Saturday on WGR. Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, I know I'm gonna get got, but I'm gonna get mine more than I
3: get got, though. A classic Marshawn Lynch liner there from uh, from our board op and uh, resident fantasy football guy, I guess we'll call you, uh, Derek Kramer. You can never not.
4: You can. It's you know, I'm gonna get
3: mine I'm gonna
4: get got. You know, I'm gonna get mine more than I get got, though. It's almost philosophical.
3: It, no, it is. And <laughs> everything that comes out of uh, Marshawn Lynch's mouth is philosophical. You can't go ahead and underappreciate the quotes of Marshawn Lynch. And if you do, you're just a jerk. All right, 803-0550. Next segment, we're going to get into picking the schedule, but I raised a question to start the show, and it's who's the most important player for the Bills this season. Having said that, we'll go out to the phones, Matt and Tanawanda who has been patient, waiting patiently. Matt, you're on WGR. Hey guys, how you doing today? Doing well. Yourself? Good. Um,
1: I wanted to say the, uh, well first I think it's honestly the collective defense, um, because there was a lot of communication issues last year. Uh, but within that I want to say Preston Brown because he was the, he is and was the key of, uh, you know, getting everyone lined up properly and communicating what, you know, any adjustments and stuff like was made. He's basically the quarterback of the defense. And by his own admission last year, he was having trouble, uh, you know, picking up the defense and uh, deciding, you know, what adjustments to make and things like that and i think it showed um a lot of times because there were it looked almost on every play that two or three people were looking around heads on a swivel before the play where they didn't really know what they were supposed to be doing on that play and and some i don't think a lot of people realize is that you know within every play there's not really just one play each play has a subset of you know Uh, different things that go on depending on what the offense comes out alignment wise and personnel. So each person's assignment is going to be different. So on one, you know, if the offense comes out in 22 personnel with two backs and two uh, tight ends, you know, Jerry Hughes is going to be doing something different against that formation than he would if they came out in the three wide formation with 11 personnel. Uh, and I think a lot of times, you know, two or three people are looking around at the, you know, before the ball snap trying to figure out what they're supposed to be doing. And that just led to either people being in the wrong spot, people being a step slow, um, or, you know, even uh, in a situation, I think it was against the Giants, a perfect example, was Duke Williams went and double-covered a guy with Gilmore and left his guy wide open in the end zone for an easy touchdown. And afterward, you saw him jumping around in frustration. And guy, I think Bradham and uh, Gilmore visibly yelled at him um, because he was obviously doing what he wasn't supposed to do. So I think, you know, overall, you saw that happening a lot. Uh, Last year, and you know, there's no way that you can make up for that um, on defense with guys not knowing what they're supposed to be doing on any play.
3: Yeah, Matt. Uh, thanks for calling in, buddy. I appreciate it, and uh, you had a lot to say there, and I agreed with everything you said. Um, and you're the second person today to call in and basically say that this is really not even a a most important player, but a most important unit uh, type of question. And and I agree with you, and and I think a lot of the the a lot of the issues that that were a part of that defense last year really had to do with the communication. I th- I think you're completely right about that, and 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 the issues will continue unless. Um, you know, the the addition of Rob Ryan, and I think that's really where you're getting the why into why you brought Rob Ryan in. And that's really to work specifically with Preston Brown on those communication issues. And I think week one, we'll have a good idea uh, if the Rob Ryan experiment has paid off and, and um, Preston Brown's a little bit more comfortable with the, uh, with the defense. 803-0550, 888-550-2550. Me and Derek will uh, will run through the schedule next and make our picks for the season, uh, give you our records, and uh, get into the nitty-gritty of it. And then at 12.30, we'll have Tyler Dunn from, uh, from Bleacher Report on. Uh, we'll get his expectations for the Bills this season. We'll also talk a little Ravens with him as he's uh, now reporting really on the NFL as a whole. So we'll get his thoughts on the division, the Ravens, and, uh, and maybe uh, a little, little prediction from uh, what he thinks the Bills will do this season as well. So uh, this is Nate Geary with Derek Kramer. This is Sports Talk Saturday on WGR.
2: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.